How many know that it's so important that that we we encounter God? Like the the whole Bible is a book of encounters, and and sometimes we uh, we love the knowledge of Scripture because of Western ways and Western thinking and Greek thought, and and sometimes we extol and exalt knowledge over the actual experience that exemplifies what the knowledge is all about. Like if a revelation doesn't bring me into meeting with God face to face, then what's the point? It's so important that we get this because as a people, the Lord, we should be awakening to what we were created to do. When we are part of a community of saints, that an actual uh, ecclesia, a, a church, an assembly where we are fitly framed together, where God baptizes us in His very Spirit like He He is this morning. So something happens when we pray these prayers like, God, let walls come down. We open our hearts that we actually have to get to know each other and, and we actually have to open our hearts and we have to learn to love each other and fellowship is a sacrifice and it's like sandpaper and your heart's going to get broken and if it's not, that means you don't even know what love is yet. Like, you know, if, if we're not willing to sacrifice or we're not willing to be vulnerable to pain, then love is just an idea for us. But when we are in the presence of God, things crumble. We, we're transformed. Something happens in the heart. And, and as a church, we should all be awakening to what we were created to do together where it's it's not about just one person up here doing the stuff and teaching the whole time. There's an a, there's a symphony, there's a harmony that takes place, an agreement where everyone is doing their part as the body. We're individual members, and the least of the members, the the ones that don't feel significance, have the most honor. And God is here. Last week I was sharing my heart with you about Hebrews twelve one and two that we're to look away from every distraction and set our eyes on Him and being a people of faith, being a people of substance that we can take from the invisible realm and pull it into the natural realm and begin to walk in who we are created to be in Christ. Sometimes we forget where we came from and we lose track of the moment, the Kairos moment, that God is in this moment now. And I, sometimes we, we forget our current location and then we don't know where we're going to. And God wants to awaken our vision. And I want to talk to you about vision this morning. What has God called you to do? So many times we want to jump to that subject. Like, God, what have you called me to do? And sometimes the reason we want to know what God's called us to do is because we want it to be something significant and important because we don't feel significant and important. Sometimes our desire for ministry itself comes from the lack of understanding of how significant we are in God's eyes. And Paul was dealing with this in the church, uh, writing in the church of Corinth. He's teaching them that the gift is love. The gifts are great, but if you don't understand the gift of love, you're a clanging symbol. It's not a solo artist anymore. It's a symphony. And you have a part, you have a song, you have a a piece and a role, and it comes from being tuned by the love of Papa God, knowing I'm a son, knowing who I am, knowing that I'm a son and a daughter, and I don't have to step into a quote-unquote call to ministry to feel significant. Because your first call is to know Him. That is the foundation of everything that you should do in your Christian life. It should all come from knowing Him. Being with Him. The ultimate purpose of the church is to be a dwelling place for God in the Spirit. Well, no, we have to make disciples. We have to evangelize. Yeah, but it all comes from being a dwelling place for God. That's why I'm not afraid to go an hour and 15 minutes for worship. Some people might not connect with our DNA. It's okay. I'm not here to fill a pew. I'm here to raise up an army. How many agree with that? Like, God, what if we just let go and I'm not saying we're going to go all afternoon, maybe some of us, but I'm just saying, because I'm pretty jacked, I'm not going to last much longer, but I'm telling you, God is awakening His bride. And He's awakening us to the song of significance, the song where it's a symphony, we're being fitly framed together. I, I want to share with you the foundation of what I will, 
I believe will really help you understand what God's called you to do. What has God called you to do? What's my call? You ever wonder that? Like, what's my call? Am I called to be a pastor or a preacher? Or am I called to start a business? God, what have you called? Am I a missionary? Who knows that they're called to the mission field? Raise your hand up if you feel called to the mission field. That's so powerful. Look at the hands. Have you ever wondered, like, what has God called me to do? I know what I've been called to do first. It's know Him. And on this journey, sometimes I want to step into, you know, I've, I've also been called to love the bride. I've been called to see the bride beautiful. I've been called, my eyes have been opened. But it didn't just happen in a prayer. It happened when God started doing something in my heart. He started changing my heart. I, I would pray for the church and I would look at the church a different way. I, I, I didn't like the church when we started the church. I don't mean this church. I mean the body of Christ. I didn't, I'm like, I don't like church. Churches for the people that don't understand the kingdom. That's what I thought. You, see, you can't have a kingdom mindset unless you have a church mindset because he builds his house, he advances his kingdom. Who do you think he uses to advance the kingdom? The bride. You can't love Jesus and not love his bride. It's not possible. That's like saying, I love you, but I don't like your face. Some of you are like, there's somebody that I love that I don't like their face. I know I'm called to love the bride, but it happened on this journey, on this road. You know, like when I first got saved, I, I memorized scripture. It was just crazy. I was 17 years old. I got rocked by God. I had really long hair. And I'd put it up in a ponytail and I'd rollerblade and I was just a crazy dude, still getting restored from drugs. But I learned how to read when I read the scripture. When I was 17, I was supposed to graduate, but I only had like six credits at the time. I wasn't saved. Don't judge me. Come on, somebody. There's no condemnation. <laughs> and I learned how to read when I read the scripture. And I started memorizing scripture. When I first met Lori, we went to Bible study. And she's like, how does this kid know all this scripture? Right? You guys used to like mess with me about it. And, and I don't know how it just, the memory of the righteous is blessed. I don't, I mean, just like, it just came alive to me. But on this journey, I learned that sometimes I, I lost track of what it was really about. It wasn't about knowledge. It was about knowing someone. And I want to share with you this, this foundation of what I believe. We're going to get into some more teaching about what will help you recognize the call of God on your life. Turn to Luke chapter 24 real quick. Luke 24. I have a few verses I'm going to share with you. Um, and I just want to impart grace with the word of the Lord to your life. Luke chapter 24. Um, I have a teaching. We have a teaching. We're going to go through seven ways to help you find out what you're called to do. But before I do that, I want to share with you um, what I believe is more important is, is how, it, how it happens, like how you can actually see and have spiritual vision. How does that happen? What is that process? Helen Keller said, the worst thing is not to be blind. It's to have eyes that see, but you don't have vision. Like some people, they can see, but they don't have vision. God wants us to have vision. Without vision, the people perish. I love it in the, the message. It's like, you know, if you see what God's doing, if you don't see what God's doing, you're going to be stumbling all over yourself. We have to see what God is doing in the moment so we can see what He has called us to do. But how does that happen? So this story here in Luke chapter 24. Father, I thank You for Your Word this morning. I thank You for the spirit of revelation and knowledge. It's about knowing you. So we just thank you for your presence. How many want to just recognize that God is here? Would you lift both hands in the air and, and just, Lord, you're here. God is here. Holy Spirit, we love you. We bless you. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, yeah. So in Luke chapter 24, 
um, many of you are familiar with the story. It's the two dudes traveling on the road to Emmaus. They're headed to Emmaus. They run into a guy, and they don't realize who the guy is. The guy is Jesus, the resurrected Messiah. But the Bible says in verse 16, their eyes were restrained, so they did not know him. And then Jesus kind of interrupts their conversation. Hey, what are you all talking about? And they begin to discuss, well, we're talking about this guy, Jesus, that died. And they don't understand. They have all this knowledge of Scripture. They got a lot of knowledge, right? A lot of knowledge. But they didn't even see who they were talking to. They didn't even realize, this is the resurrected Jesus. This is... This isn't just the rabbi that was followed, you know, God, 100% God, 100% man. I mean, this is the resurrected Jesus. This is the Jesus that suffered, that conquered death, hell, and the grave and took the keys. And this is Jesus, and, but they didn't even see who he was. They had a lot of knowledge of Scripture. If I asked you what truth is, what would you say? What is truth? What would you say? That, well, the Bible's truth, Pastor Zach. Yeah, that's true, but truth is a person. If the Bible is true before Jesus is the, the, the person of truth, you may be feasting on knowledge instead of knowing who a person is. Sometimes we make the Bible a fourth member of the Godhead. The Bible is in the inspired Word of God. I feast in it. I love it. I, but if it does not lead me to who God is, Jesus is the exact exact representation of the Father. If I start building worldviews and theologies just reading the book of Job and I don't understand that Jesus was the invisible image of who God is, then I'm feasting on knowledge. Well, the Bible says, Pastor Zach, it says without knowledge, you know, the people perish. Hosea 4, 6, right? Isn't that where it is? Actually, that's misquoting what it is saying. It's not saying without knowledge, like you've got to memorize more Scripture. It's actually talking about the knowledge of God. So these guys have a lot of knowledge. They're walking with Jesus. Their eyes are restrained. Then He kind of lightly rebukes them. Don't you love when the Lord lightly rebukes you? The Lord is a ninja. Jesus is a samurai. Because you won't even see Him come. And He just, the Word of the Lord, you're like, Oh God, ugh. But I feel better now. <laughs> it, and the sword is so sharp and it divides asunder our whole entire being and he separates the motives that aren't right, the desires that aren't right from the ones that are, the ones that spring forth from the new nature in us, the good, good things. And, and he, he lightly rebukes him. And then it says their eyes were opened and they came near to their destination. So... They arrive at their destination. They're on this journey. Verse 29 of Luke 24 says, but they constrained him. They're like, hey, will you hang out with us? They didn't even realize who it was, but there was something about this guy. They wanted, they're like, would you stay with us? So he stayed with them. And then here's what it says in verse 30. Now it came to pass as he, Jesus, sat at the table with them. This is so powerful. That he took bread He blessed and broke it and He gave it to them. And it says in verse 31, the eyes, their eyes were opened and they knew Him and He vanished from their sight. This is so powerful that it it happened when He sat at the table with them. Like this whole journey, there was this knowledge and this discussion and, and this, you know, like, oh, you know, the scriptures say this and this. And then when they sat down at the table and ate, their eyes were open to who he was. Now, here's what I want to point out here. It says, verse 32, they said to one another, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked with us on the road and while he opened the scriptures to us? He said, didn't our heart burn within us? See, here's what I want to share with you. You want vision, but you have to understand how the process works. If you want to see like God sees, you need a heart like God's heart. See, God first burned something in you. There's a desire, a longing, a hunger. You're saying there's got to be more. I, I want to see like you see. I want vision. I want to see. And we're so focused on what have you called me to do and our desire for ministry. And we have, we have some of them are good desires, but God wants us to know Him first. Because if ministry is coming out of a place of not knowing Him, then it's just 
What's the point? What kind of fruit is that going to bear? God wants you to bear lasting fruit. And so they're on this road. It says their heart burned within them. And here's what I want to share. It says this in verse 35. Then they were telling these things that had happened on the road and how He was known to them in the breaking of bread. You know, God wants... This is so crazy because God does this. You know, some of the most profound moments of joy and the reality of God's blessing on my life isn't just in these moments in God's house when I am on my face and I'm bawling like a little baby. But when I'm sitting at my table with my family and I'm laughing so hard because one of my sons is doing something inappropriate. Now listen, you, uh, put your religious spirit down for a minute. There's so much joy and there's a revelation of who God is at the table. There's an invitation to everybody. Like, you're welcome at my table because this is Papa's table and anybody can come to my table because you can experience God here. You can encounter who Jesus really is. Not only were they feasting on bread, but they were actually coming to the showbread, the table of showbread, the bread of presence. Jesus is the bread of life. It's living manna. It's that hidden manna, but it's not a secret. It's just from the very beginning, God wanted to dwell with his people. Actually, he wanted to relate to them one-on-one. And and Moses, all the people are like, you talk to God because he's freaking us out with all this thunder and lightning and stuff. Imagine how grieved God's heart. That's the only reason there was a prophet and a priest. It wasn't God's desire. He wanted to hang out with everybody. So he makes the tabernacle. Guess what the first thing was? The table. Build the table just like this. Put the bread of presence, the showbread, all the utensils. God is at the table. God is at this. There's a call to intimacy. There's a call to know Him and and to know the call of God, to see clear, we have to understand that God first works in the heart because your heart and your eyes are connected. Let me share this with you just a little bit. Let me open this up to you a little. Matthew chapter 6 talks about this. Jesus is connecting the eyes and the heart and, and, and the senses, the spiritual senses, the heart being the center of your being. This is Hebrew understanding of, of, our, of who we are. If my heart is open to murmuring, or let's say it this way, if if I find myself constantly being uh, a wastebasket for gossip and murmuring, it may be that my heart is open to critical thinking. See, whatever your heart is open to, it's, you're going to be pulled in that direction. If my heart is open to broken people, they're going to be hanging around me all the time. If I pray prayers like, God, expand the capacity that I have to love for people. And I don't expect a bunch of jacked up people to be in my life, then I don't understand the prayer I just prayed. Don't pray that prayer, I'm telling you. (laughs) Teach me to love like Jesus, then Judas is going to come in your life. The heart, I'm I'm understanding what God does in the heart. Uh, here's Here's a good one. Everyone knows the verse, you know, if a man is looking at a woman with lust in his eyes, he commits adultery in his heart, right? Is that what we're taught? Like it happens in the heart in that moment, but that's really not what he's saying. Let me give you a little revelation of what he's saying. He's saying that if your eyes are wandering lustful, it's already inside you. Like it's something that's in there that needs to be dealt with. If you want to know the call, if you want to see... You've got to let him burn in you. You've got to let him. There's a desire. There's something that happens. There's a process. And, and I think we have to. We have to allow him to open up truth to us. We have to allow him to do this work in us so that he can show us who he really is. As a matter of fact, if I understand what the anointing is and the call of God is, I need the anointing to fulfill the call. But the anointing is not just some mystical feeling that I feel when God is on me or present. The anointing is God's heart for a ministry. So when I have God's heart, a piece of God's heart, my wife has a heart for broken women. She carries a revelation of the love of Jesus and the love of the Father 
Um, it's a part of who she is and she ministers that to ladies around her and that is a manifestation of Jesus in the earth. That's the anointing that delivers people from those burdens of depression and father wounds and all that junk. It's, a manif- it's an anointing, but she carries a piece of God's heart. It's not some mystical force that comes and goes. It's a part of who she is. The anointing abides in her. And you need the anointing to fill the call. But if we don't understand what the anointing is, it's hard to understand what the call is. Jesus demonstrated this. You see, a, a, a rabbi is not just going to give you knowledge. A rabbi or a teacher or a leader is going to show you who they are. And if they show you who they are through relationship and, and, and actual living, then you can actually get a hold of their heart. You, you understand what I'm saying? Like we can... We, we feast on knowledge all day long, but we don't understand that the gospel is a gospel of demonstration of power. Signs, wonders. It's, it, Jesus, in Matthew chapter 9, He lived this. He, he's showing His disciples who He is. He's showing Him His heart. He's healing those that are sick. He's ministering to the broken. And, and the Bible says He was moved with compassion. Matthew chapter 9, the end of the chapter. It's so powerful. Because he looked at the people and they were like sheep without a shepherd. His heart broke for them. And then he says to his disciples, look at the harvest. It is ripe and ready. You ever pray for the harvest? We're not supposed to pray for the harvest. The harvest is ripe and ready. Jesus said, pray for laborers. I used to read that verse and think, why am I praying for the harvest? The harvest is ripe. I need to be praying for laborers. So Jesus prays for laborers. And the harvest is ripe. How many know the harvest is ripe? There's some drug dealers that are ready to become preachers. They are ready to hear the gospel. There's some prostitutes. There's some broken women, single moms and widows, ready to hear that there's a lover of all lovers. His name is Jesus. They're waiting to hear the gospel from your lips. Not just from a church service on Sunday. There are people that are in depression in Starbucks just waiting for you to come up to them and love on them and reveal who Jesus is to them. The harvest is ripe and Jesus prays a prayer and then answers it right away. Don't you love that? Like sometimes we don't even realize that we're praying for God to change things, but really the prayer is supposed to change us to go and do something about it. We soak ourselves into inactivity. Come on, somebody. I just need to soak in the Lord. I love soaking. But sometimes he comes like fire. And fire gets me up to do some things off my booty. Come on, somebody. Can I say booty in church? I just did. Mm. Twice. Just now or first service too? I said booty twice? Three times. Three's the signature of God. Come on, somebody. You know, Jesus was baptized and the Holy Spirit comes like a dove. We're like, oh, Lord, you're just so gentle like a dove. You're a gentleman. He's not always a gentleman. I mean, he always loves, but sometimes he'll just make you look funny. He came like fire on the day of Pentecost. Sometimes he comes like fire to awaken us, heart burns within us because there's something greater coming. There's a greater revelation of who Jesus is. Matthew chapter 9, he answers his own prayer. Matthew 10, he sends them out in power and authority because their hearts opened to his heart for people. They got a hold of Jesus' heart. He sent them out in power, in the anointing to raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, heal the sick, he reveals his heart. He didn't just tell him how to do it. He showed him who he was so they could walk in it. That's a good word. Another area where like our heart, whatever, you ever notice that wherever your heart is pointed, you, that's what you'll see. Like you're going to retain hurt if your heart is always thinking about hurt. You're, everything that somebody says to you hurtful, that's the only thing you hear. You could hear a thousand words of encouragement, but the one word that is a slight rebuke, that's all you heard, but you didn't hear any of the encouragement. Come on, you know what I'm talking about, right? Did you hear what they said to me? Like, they just encourage you. No, she said... That's all I hear when people complain. I don't hear it. It's demon food. If our heart is open, Laris was shopping for a car... And he's shopping for a BMW, and he has a 3 Series BMW. Don't hate, 
Rejoice in his breakthrough. You can have one too. God's favor's on his life. And he serves in the house of God. Mm, you want a Beamer? No, I'm just playing. <laughs> so he's looking for a BMW. Every car he sees is a BMW, right? Because your heart was set on it. You ever notice that you're looking for a car? There's another Honda. Oh, look at that Honda. I see Hondas everywhere now. It's because you're looking for it. Wherever your heart is pointed, that's what you're going to see. You understand the connection with the heart in your eyes. I just can't stop this lust. Get it out of your heart. I just can't stop this anger. It's inside you. Your old man's dead. Just get rid of that trash. Let Jesus take the trash out. You're a new house now. And there's a new person living there. And there might be some stuff from the old guy that was there, but he, he's gone, man. Get rid of his shoes. Get rid of his clothes. Get rid of his bad habits. But it starts in the heart. There's a connection to the heart and, and, and the being and who we are and, and our eyes to see, our vision, our clarity. Uh, Colossians 4.17, powerful verse. Paul's saying, I want this man, This he was either a pastor or a deacon, um, and he's saying, I want him to take heed to the ministry that he's received in the Lord. Let me read you what the word take heed means. It means to see, to discern with the eye. To perceive by the use of the eyes. To see, to look. To perceive, perceive by the senses. To feel, to discover by use. To know by experience. To take heed, to listen, to see the spiritual senses awaken. Metaphorically, it's to see with the, the eye of the heart, the eye of the mind. To discern mentally, observe, perceive, discover. To weigh carefully thoughts. To direct thoughts or the heart to something. To consider, to comp- contemplate. You know, the most powerful times that I see God manifest His love through my own life is when, like, I'll give you an example. If I'm going to share a word and I just begin to think about the people I get to share with. And I begin to get God's heart for them. And then I'm like, God, what are you saying? And I literally, I just begin to weigh these things and carefully think about them and set my heart on them. And then I begin to see who people really are. See, when I, when I get God's heart for something, I actually see who people really are. We're praying this stuff this morning. I'm preaching the same message I did for service. That when I look in the forest, I don't see trees, I see tables and chairs. When I look at a drug dealer, I see a preacher. When I look at a broken lady, I see a ministry to broken women. Come on. When I see a jacked up marriage, I see a testimony of what God can do. God changes our heart so that we can see things differently. God does something. We take heed. We, we set our hearts upon it. And then we begin to see clearly. We begin our focus. Things come into focus. Jesus talks about this in Matthew 6. Everything I was sharing with you about whatever our heart is set on. Now I want to read a verse to you in Ephesians 1. Then I'm going to let you go. You guys enjoying this? Ephesians chapter 1, verses 15 through 23. If you want to pray powerfully, look at the prayers of Paul. Colossians 1, Ephesians 1, Ephesians 3. Some powerful prayers. Ephesians chapter 1, I love this, verse 15 in the message. I'm going to be reading it in the message. I don't know if you guys have it in the message. Put it up or just listen. That's why when I heard of the solid trust you have in the Master Jesus and your outpouring of love for all the Christians, I couldn't stop thanking God for you. Every time I prayed, I'd think of you and give thanks. Isn't that awesome? Do you have people in your life like that? See, if we value people, if, if, if we really value people, gratefulness and thankfulness is always going to be coming out of our lips for people. Just, oh God, you're so good. Paul's saying, I have a praise break every time I pray for you. <laughs> you know what a praise break is, right? Come on, I'll... All the white people are like, what's a praise break? <laughs> Come on. Right now. Come on, give God praise. Give him a shout. That's a praise break. <laughs> he had that ready. I'm sure he had. He's like, I'm going to do it next service. I'm going to find a YouTube with him. <laughs> we need to have praise breaks when we think about the valuable people God has put into our lives. You know, they're people 
in this room, many of you that I will stop and my wife and I will say, Selah, they are so awesome. Thank God for them. Thank God for those that serve in his house. Paul's saying that. I love you. I see the love you have for all the believers. And I cannot stop thanking God for you. Verse 17. But I do more than that. I ask. I ask the God of our master, Jesus Christ, the God of glory, to make you, listen, hear this, intelligent and discerning in knowing him personally. Discerning in knowing, not intelligent in knowledge, but in knowing him personally. Come on the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. Not wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of knowledge. My people perish not for the lack of knowledge, it's the knowledge of God. Hosea 4, 6. We've got to read it in context. Come on, somebody. Then here's what he says. He says, In that, that your eyes, verse 18, are focused and clear. Say, focused and clear. So that you can see exactly what He's calling you to do you can grasp the immensity of this glorious way of life he has for Christians. Isn't that good? This glorious way of life. Listen, the Christian life, it's so hard to be a Christian. Oh, shut up, please. I feel so good to say that. Because it is not hard to be a Christian. We have the nature of God. We partake of His nature. We have grace flowing to us abundantly every moment, every second. His mercies are not just new in the morning. They are new right now. Come on. We have we, everything we need for life and godliness. It's a glorious life. Verse 19. Oh, the utter extravagance of His work in us who trust Him. Endless energy boundless strength. Say that with me. Endless energy, boundless strength because my heart's set on him. He's emanating life. That's who he is. His spirit, just he's pouring out his spirit on all flesh right now in heaven towards his people. And we receive it. Abundant grace. I love this part about the call. Sometimes I don't think we realize that our call and even our ability to hear God is refined in community. There are people that I trust that are prophetic and I often will ask them, you think this is God? I'm hearing this. Wendell McGowan, you know, we, we've had discussions and I remember him telling me something a couple years ago. Son, I don't think you should do that. And we didn't do it. I don't think you should go that direction. I said, okay, I trust you. My, my ability to hear God and even understand the call of God. See, what, was the call, what is God calling me to do? He's calling you to be a son and a daughter and to know him first. And out of that comes everything. He burns in you and then you begin to see things clearly. You know what the best vision you can have is? It's not a great vision of a church and a mission statement. We do have those things. But if you just understand this, that our vision is we want to see like he sees. That's the vision we want you to have. Because if we see like God sees, that means we have his heart. Because you can't see with his eyes if you don't have his heart. Let me just read these few verses and then we'll close. It says, again, extravagant work. It's a, it's a glorious way of life. Endless energy, boundless strength. Verse 20. All this energy issues from Christ. God raised Him from death and set Him on a throne deep in heaven in charge of running the universe. Everything from galaxies to governments. No name and no power is exempt from His rule. There should be another praise break right there. Come on and shout. And not just for the time being, but forever. He is in charge of it all. He has the final word on everything. And at the center of all this, Christ rules the church. The church, you see, is not uh, just to the world. It is, the church is Christ's body in which He speaks and acts, by which He fills everything with His presence. God is burning in your heart a desire when hope becomes faith. We're not to be just a people of hope and desire. We're to be a people of faith. Faith is substance and evidence. And it comes when you begin to burn with a greater desire to know Him. That is how your vision is made clear so you know what you're created to do. It all stems from knowing Him. It all stems from this deep call of intimacy that... We're on this journey and we have a lot of knowledge. 
And we don't even realize who's in front of us. And then God awakens our senses at the most unlikely places at a dinner table, partaking of the Lord's Supper, coming to the table of the Lord. So powerful to me because I, I read that. That was when he was made known to them. I, I don't know how many holy moments I've had at dinner tables with precious saints of God where you're sitting there just talking about how good God is and all of a sudden he's, he shows up at the table. And, and time stops. I'm sitting with my bride and I literally, I want to freeze the moment. We're at an anniversary uh, lunch overlooking the Bellagio Fountain. And all I could see was her eyes. And in that moment, I just wanted time to stop. God showed up. He said, you see how good, see how good I am? I love you. And everything changes. So when my heart is set on something, when you honor, this is powerful, listen. The word honor, many times in the Old Testament is the word, same word glory, the weight, kabod. When you honor somebody in Christ from your heart, the Bible says that even your words are words of grace that empower. When I honor my wife, I'm adding glory to who she is in Christ. Wow. That's so dope. <laughs> amazing. Like, I honor Chris and Carly. When you, you understand, when you honor someone, like, more glory gets on them. I honor Wendell Loretta McGowan. I honor our team. I just want to see more glory on the bride. He just wants us to learn to love the bride like he does. You know, when Jesus quoted that familiar passage, we always quote it until we got to live it, right? Come on, somebody. We love quoting verses until we got to live it. It must have been a bad translation. They will know you're my disciples by the love you have for one another. Let me tell you when he said that. You pray prayers like God expand our capacity to love, well, then you get ready for some Judases to come in your life. And then you learn when you're betrayed, it's not about you, it's about them. And you have to pray and weep for them because they don't know who they are. But if you're wallowing in hurt, you don't know who you are because that guy died a long time ago. And you learn to love like he loves. When Jesus said that statement in John, I believe chapter 13, he wasn't just saying it because he was having a nice little sermon moment. He had washed the disciples' feet, all of them. Think about this. God incarnate, humbling Himself to wash man's feet. The lowest place of a servant. That's His heart. That's, I mean, he, he washed all their feet and then Judas walks out the door when they're eating. They're about to partake, depending on which gospel you're reading. And it says this in John, Jesus immediately did not have a prayer meeting masked as a gossip session. Come on, somebody. You know what I'm talking about. We need to pray for Sister So-and-so because we just start throwing up all over each other. That is not a prayer meeting. It is not a prayer meeting. I don't care how much you say, Father God, Lord God, name of Jesus. If, if you're praying for someone and the motive of your heart is to gossip about them, that is not a prayer. Jesus didn't say one word about Judas. You know what he said? He said, guess what, guys? They're going to know you're my disciples by how much you love each other. Right after he was stabbed in the back by a man named Judas Iscariot. That's why David, King David, having a heart like God's, could say of Saul, Behold, the beauty of the Lord was slain. He actually honored Saul at his death. Why? Because he had God's heart. Saul tried to kill him for years of his life. The people that have tried to hurt you, bless them. Pray for them. 
weep for them because they don't know who they are. It's an identity crisis. And right now, God is burning in you a hunger and a desire to first know Him. You want to know what you're called to do? First, you're called to this. Paul said, forget about my social status, my religious status. I count it all as... Literally, that's the English word that he used. Crap. Amen? Poop. Caca. The S word. I'm not going to say it because the religious people really get offended. He said, I count it all as... Why? Because I want to know Him. Come on. Would you pray with me? Would you lift your hands and just begin to cry out? Let the hunger, the burning, Lord, make known to us who you are. Lord, awaken our senses. Lord, burn in our hearts. Lord, let hope, desire become faith and substance, the tangible reality of who you are. We want to know you and we want to make you known, God. Lord, we just thank you for who you are to us as a body. We surrender our hearts. We say yes. We ask you to clear our vision by burning in our hearts what it's all about. We set our hearts on you right now. In Jesus' name. I want to ask all our intercessors to pray right now. I just want to open the altars and I want to dismiss those in a moment that want to be dismissed. Come. Would you just come and burn up here? Uh, Those of you that just feel like, oh yeah, I just want a fresh reset on my, just my heart set on knowing God. Quickly come. Don't hesitate. Come and just bow and just worship up here at the altar. Turn the worship up. And let's just pray together. Let's take some time together. Come on. I know there's many of you that are feeling the, just the pull and the call to intimacy right now. To, to just come to and pour oil at his feet. Come and posture your hearts before the master. Come and set your hearts on him. We want to know you, God. Hallelujah. You're so good. You're so good. You're so good. You're so good, Lord. You're so good. We honor you. We love you. Bless you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. That's it. Come. There's more. Come and just sit. Just sit up here and just soak in his presence. Soak in his love. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those that serve in this house, I want to I ask you, just, just come and soak up here. I feel like our leaders and, and even those that, that just serve in God's house, you volunteer for nursery, whatever it is. God wants you to just reposture your heart. The call is not just a call to serve. It's a call to know God. And everything comes out of that. I pray for refreshing over your people right now, Lord. I honor those that serve in this house. I honor the leaders. I honor those that are anointed. And I just call forth, Lord, a greater measure of God's heart for their ministry. But, Lord, first and foremost, we are called to minister to you. And so we just bring sweet fragrance of worship to you right now. (laughs) We love you, Papa. We bless you. Refreshing and glory coming on your people right now. The flesh refreshing and glory coming on your people right now. In Jesus' name. That's it. Just pray out loud. Come on, pray in the Spirit. Those of you that are up here, just cry out. And just receive refreshing. Sometimes the refreshing comes from praying in the Holy Spirit. The book of Isaiah prophesying about this gift, the gift of tongues. He, he says that to be refreshed, there's a refreshing that comes. Oh, refreshing wind. Refreshing wind. And fresh fire. Whoa, In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Yeah, yeah, Lord. Yeah, Lord. We thank you. We thank you. We thank you. I want to ask those that are seated in the chairs, would you stand with me? Would you stand and just lift your hands one last time before I dismiss you? Oh, Father. I feel like there's there's a couple people I want to prophesy over, but I, 
I don't know if it's appropriate to just, it's not the content. I just, I don't know them very well, but I want to, I want to say this. There's some of you that God is, he's pulling you into a new season. Hear me. And there are old relationships that, that have caused pain. And the Lord is calling you to in the process, learn that that is a part of God's process that he will use. He didn't ordain it, but he'll use to stretch your heart and don't, don't, be bitter towards them. Just pray for them. They don't know who they are. Weep for them. Bless them. But the Lord is calling you into new relationships that are to be cultivated and stewarded in a different way. I I really believe this, that God is healing some heart wounds from the past. He's breaking old patterns off of some in this room. Um, And there's even people that maybe, maybe you visited this church just a few times and you really feel like, okay, I feel like I'm called to this community, but I'm a little scared. And let me just affirm something. Fear's not from God, so just get planted. Fear's not from God, so just get planted because you're going to grow. Now, you could grow anywhere, but if God's calling you here, then just settle. And I just pray a blessing over you. We welcome and we honor. We receive who you are. And I pray destiny come forth in everyone in this room. Destiny come forth. I really feel like I did this call, a new season, and there's old relationships that, that yes, you're supposed to not look back in one sense, but in another sense, you, uh, you, you learn to love more like God through all of that. So I just want to just speak that over some of you. Would you lift your hands with me? And let's just pray a prayer together. Is that all right? Let's just say, Father in heaven, pray this with me, Father in heaven. Your love is immense, extravagant. I cannot comprehend your love. But right now, you're giving me a dose of it. It's burning in me. And I begin to see clearer. And I don't just see what I'm called to do, but I see your face. Because I'm first called to know you. Jesus, I love you. Hallelujah. Tell them again now, just in your own words. I love you. I love you, Master. I love you. I surrender. Amen. 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 Our prayer team, would you come and bless these that are at the altar right now? If there's others, come to the front. I want our Sosa team, Wendell and Loretta, if you feel led, please come and pray over these if you want. Our Sozo team, prayer team, come on, just bless. We just minister life right now. Minister life to everyone here in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Would you grab the person next to you and just give them a word of encouragement too? Come on, turn to them. Maybe your spouse, family, loved one, turn to them and just love on them for a minute. Give them an encouraging word. Speak hope over them. Blessings. Amen. Amen. And then give God one big shout of praise and you can be dismissed. Come on. Thank him. Thank him for his word. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Bless you. You may be dismissed.
have the sweetest name. You are my soul's refrain. I worship.